peace, namaste, and shalom. Everybody out there in dreamland, I am the beyond top secret Texan. Join me on my podcast, the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast, where I explore the outer limits of human abilities, top secret military technologies, the reality of extraterrestrial birth alliances, secret space wars, advanced cryptozoology, and all subjects of theosophic truth, esotericism, and the occult. Beyond the Top Secret Texan Podcast. Greetings, everybody out there in Dreamland. Namaste and Shalom. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. Thank you all very much for tuning into another broadcast of the Beyond Top Secret Texan. I am the Beyond Top Secret Texan. Broadcasting to you from the third coast, the coast with the most, the Gulf Coast of Texas. Thank you all. Listeners, one and all. New and old. Check out the archives if you haven't already. There are over 300 episodes free to listen to through all podcast services that I could find in the last two years. Ranging from iHeartRadio to Audible, from Spotify to Anchor. And you can definitely check out the podcast on my pod page webpage without having to download an app. But whatever you got, you know I got it too because I have listened to you guys and whatever services you have suggested, I have uploaded my RS too. And if you still have any preferences out there internationally, I have you know been educated on what you guys listen to in Europe, in France, in Africa, in South America, all the different web services. Uh, if you let me know, I will do my best to uh, upload there as well. And thank you all for following the link tree slash beyond top secret Texan link. Thank you all very much for doing that. I see the figures, I see the numbers. I know it's helping you guys find my social media uh, where I post dark web video evidence every day. Thank you all very much in advance for watching and liking and sharing all of those. Currently, I'm posting very heavily on Twitter. Currently, I'm posting on you know Twitter a lot because TikTok, of course, burned their bridge with me by banning me. Uh, although the pages I created are still alive. And I have seen that I've got nearly a billion views through TikTok on my original channel, the Beyond Top Secret Texan. Uh, hashtag still works, for example, when you pull up those videos. And the channel is still available internationally and has accrued a billion views. I'm hoping to replicate that success on TikTok, but I know I need your guys' help to go over there. Oh, it's on Twitter. Sorry about that. On Twitter. Replicate that success from TikTok on Twitter, but I need you guys to go on there and help me out. Like, subscribe, uh, follow, whatever the, the whole thing is over there. Share on your guys' groups, uh, pages, etc. Uh, you know, help me out. 
It doesn't cost you anything, but it helps me out, and I'm obliged and appreciative to each and every one of you who take that step. Remember to rate and leave your ratings uh, on my, my, my podcast, because even if it's hateful, even if it's one star, it really motivates me, and it makes me laugh. Uh, that you guys, you know, care so much. And the things you guys come up with, I mean, I mean, bravo, bravo. Uh, think about doing a whole episode once I get enough of those hate uh, reviews just on that, on, you know, April Fool's or something, just to kind of have some, uh, maybe New Year's Eve, just to kind of be like a New Year in review. They're pretty hilarious and, and definitely uh, warms my heart that you guys care so much to leave a one-star review. Um, saying I talk too much <laughs> on my own podcast, which, I mean, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so, yeah, let's get into it. We're going to be reading Paranormal Military Tales. Paranormal stories submitted by military anons. We're going to be reading a number of them, all submitted anonymously, all submitted anonymously, and from various stages of military service, different outposts, different uh, eras, different years, different branches of service. Hope you guys are on board for that. It's a Halloween broadcast. I'll be doing one of these broadcasts every day until Halloween. Stick around for that when you're listening to it. You're going to see them uploaded anyway, so you can catch them live while I do it, or you can catch them the day they come out. Let's rock and roll. Let's get into it. This first one is called MSR Mobile. This was in 2011, probably around August or September. My unit was tasked with a lot of presence patrols and area deniability between Ramada and Fallujah. It was the middle of the night, like all of our missions, and we were near Fallujah on or very near MSR Mobile outside of a smaller village area cruising along in our MRAPs. We have had issues with this area. Prior and rotary assets were tasked with providing any dismounted patrols with overwatch. We had a computer in our vehicle that would show all assets, whether ground or air, and we could communicate with them via text if we needed. Being the driver, I had my thermal optic down, scanning the area while my passenger, our lieutenant, was checking to see if we had any available rotary assets in the area to lend a hand and give support. Next thing I see is this bright white light flying right above our vehicles. I can see it with my naked eye, but can't pick anything up on thermal. It circles around, I assume, and comes right back over us and then basically vanishes. I asked my gunner what the fuck was that, and he said he couldn't see anything through his night vision but saw the light. He said he didn't hear a sound either. No engine noise, no buzz of a drone, nothing. I asked my lieutenant if we had anything flying over us, and he told me we didn't have anything that close, and nothing showed up on our screen either. 
When we finished our nightly patrols and returned to our compound, I asked if anything else had seen anything. No one apparently had seen anything like that. If I had to guess, the light seemed to be only a few hundred meters above us, traveling quick enough I thought it was a jet or a type of plane. The three of us, me, the lieutenant, and the gunner, chalked it up possible alien sighting. Next story. I guess I'll number these. So that was one. These are two. MCAS Yuma. Marine Corps Air Station Yuma. Back in 2002, before I joined and my dad was still on active, we were living on Marine Corps Air Station Yuma. Now I have a little brother whom I shared a room with and had bunk beds with, and sister who was in a different room across the hall for background reference. One particular night, I was sleeping on the bottom bunk. I would periodically wake up and see a figure looking at me from out the window. Mind you, I was 10 or 11 years old. So I brushed it off as my little brother, and I just said, Hey, go to bed, buddy. This happened maybe two more times. On the third time, I woke up completely and got a glimpse of this short figure, a boy, maybe wearing red overalls. Needless to say, I froze and screamed at the top of my lungs. Who are you and what do you want? The figure turned its head to look at me. I threw a pillow, opened the door, and ran across the hall to jump into my parents' bed to find my brother sleeping there. He never even came into the room. My mother said it was nothing and I was just tired and to just sleep there with them. It felt almost in an instant after I fell asleep that my sister screams at the top of her lungs. My mother and I run over to find out and she's sobbing in bed, saying she had a nightmare of a boy in overalls murdering the family. So needlessly to say, we all slept in my parents' bed. So the next few days, I put down papers to cover the floor. And I did this for a few weeks, and ever so often I would wake up next to my brother to the sound of footsteps. So I didn't get a lot of sleep over the next few weeks. My parents chalked it up to Casper playing tricks. So another detail about the figure. When I woke up and yelled at it, when, the, when he turned around, it didn't just turn to look. I was standing to the right. It turned its head 180 degrees from the left. That prompted me to scream, and I knew something wasn't right. When my sister discerned her dream that night, she said that this figure was a boy, had been decapitated, or his throat was cut, and that she saw each one of us in the family being killed one by one. And when he asked her about it in the morning, she said she doesn't remember most of the dream or nightmare. I don't know if she doesn't want to remember or actually doesn't want to tell us. A few days after the incident, we were digging up a plot in the backyard for an artificial pond. And while digging, we found bones. Not from a small animal, like a squirrel or a rabbit, but some big bones. We were rushed inside and my dad said it must be a deer that died at some point, but would never bring it up again. The last weird-ass thing that happened while in that house, we had this porcelain doll. I fucking hate those things. It would move, 
We kept it in the family room on a shelf. You would go to sleep, and the arms would be put in different directions, even sometimes moving along the shelf. At one point, it was off the shelf completely. About a month or so from all of this, we got rid of the porcelain doll, and that seemed to help out. Occasionally, I heard footsteps, but I always told myself, oh, it's someone in the house walking around. But ever since then, every now and again, I just feel a presence. Such as recently, even my wife hears this one. I am a recruiter up in Connecticut, but live in Massachusetts. My wife is Mexican, so of course we sage the house. But after a few months, we will hear a door close or open, and it's not my kid's room since we have a camera set up in there. Or we will hear the sound of a door handle jiggling. Spooks me out every time, so we sage the house and it goes away, but will come right back. So I don't know, I feel like it's the same entity or being, or I just got stupid bad luck. Third story. Little Shadows. I'm a federal police officer. NASA security police, to be exact. I'm stationed at one of the centers on the eastern seaboard. Before I started here, I wasn't necessarily a believer of the supernatural or the like. That all changed pretty quickly, lol. During training, my FTO told me about the little shadow people that would run along the fence line and occasionally on the facility. I just laughed it off, but he assured me he wasn't joking. I didn't really know what to make of it, but just kind of forgot about it. Sure enough, one night when I was a couple of months out of FTO, I was walking to my patrol vehicle from the armory. I had my hands full as I was carrying two different bags, an AED, and my rifle slung over my shoulder. I set my AED on the ground to my left and then dropped the two bags on the right. I opened the trunk and started putting my rifle in its rack. I leaned down and grabbed the two bags to throw in and repeated the process to grab the AED. Of course, it was gone. I nearly lost my shit, thinking I was going crazy. It's hard to miss, as it's rather large and bright yellow. I scanned around looking for it and saw it sitting about 30 yards away near the fence line. I thought someone was messing with me until I heard little footsteps running. I looked over in that direction and caught a glimpse of a little black human-like figure. It was about three feet tall and very lanky. At this point, I just rounded the corner of a building. I was freaked. I cautiously went over to where it ran and couldn't find anything. Like I said, previously this freaked me out good. I jogged over and got the AED and then went into our motor pool's indoor garage to collect myself. I checked the AED and it was dead. When I signed it out, it had 75% battery. Not really knowing what to do, I went back inside and my lieutenant mentioned I looked sick. As soon as I told him the AED died, for no reason, he connected the dots and just started laughing. He said something along the lines of, One of those little devils ate all the electricity, huh? And all I could say was essentially, Yeah, I think so. He told me his own story about them. He said they run through the older buildings and steal those big fuses out of circuit breakers and whatnot. I've had the occasional run-in with them since, always along the same lines. They look anything like they look for anything with a battery or a lot of power. 
whenever there's a sighting, they always try and steal or break something. They're just one of those things that's known about but never really discussed or understood. Some guys have even left small offerings for them of batteries in places that have been spotted more than once. Very interesting, interesting shit. Story number four. The Secret Gardens. Hey there, man. So I finally found some time to send this next experience I've had. This is almost a tag along to the other story about 505, the Kelly Hall. This location is on NAB Coronado as well, and is well known to buds and BCS candidates at the Secret Gardens. It's several conjoined courtyards made by what used to be the old unaccompanied barracks for bud students that were either leaving the pipe or in between recovering more orders to class up. The Secret Garden is a specific courtyard we always muster in. It was our spot before and after evos of getting beat that we could hide from instructors and recover as much as we could. The grouping of abandoned barracks that makes the courtyards are without a doubt as spooky as can be. Destroyed windows and abandoned beds and clothing are often seen inside the barracks hall. The 505 building staff that told me the stories of the Phantom Bud students also told me how the secret gardens are off limits to them. That none of their staff will ever go into it that retrieves spare items from housing or other barracks. They told me about the last time they did just about a year ago. They sent several civilian staff individuals to enter the barracks by the secret garden courtyard and said immediately they heard footsteps and voices. Next, they had pans and pots from old boxes they were stored there being thrown and tossed by unseen forces. They left terrified and never went back. One night, amidst a class, I went in late at night to drop off a backpack in the garden for a close friend. Just mainly jackets and caffeine packets and things he might need by the time he gets there the next morning. It was a winter class and jackets were the best thing to drop off to these guys. Many didn't have them. I, of course, showed up after the sun had set and entered the garden. Almost right off the bat, I felt terrified in a way I can't describe. Like dozens of eyes were on me in the shadows and broken windows, staring me down. I quickly navigated my way into the dark to an old paint locker that I was told to toss the bag in. I turned around to hear footsteps in the shadows where no one could be seen. I saw movement immediately after and saw a silhouette of a dark man standing in a window. I felt like my heart stopped beating and as soon as he was there, he was gone. I know my fair share of spooky stories from when I was younger. Shadow people are not great omens. I sprint to the exit of the courtyard as fast as possible, and I swear to I heard a raspy voice say my first name and my last name. I never went back after dark again. I am a full believer in what the other barrack civilian staff tried to tell me about that place. Lots of suicides on this base contribute to the heavy atmosphere. Years of dudes that quit and killed themselves. Frankly, both the barracks and the first phase barracks is beyond depressing to even visit. 
It always feels so heavy on your chest that like you can't breathe in there. This place is not a happy place. The suicide rate from buds drops is enormous. There's attempts at least once or more a month here. Story 5 Camp Fallujah Was on Camp Fallujah from 2006 to 2007 and at night we would see this dark human shaped figure running around the wire between the Bisco barrier or the Hesco barriers concrete wall and sea wire under nods When you would take off your NVGs and chase the figure it would just disappear into the Hesco or concrete barrier Seen figures about five to six times while on a seventh month pump. Definitely looked like a human, but we never could catch it or get PID. Guys that have been there would tell us they saw him too, but could never catch him. The Ugandans we had on the gates refused to chase it, but they acknowledged the ghost. They said it was a wounded Iraqi that brought to the gate, but died before they could get him in. Story number six. Lights over Jaker. So this was in Helmand province at the end of 2011. Patrol base Jaker in Nawa. It was one of my first times standing post on deployment by myself. We had just finished the turnover with 1-9. I was posted two that overlooked the very end of the bazaar and mostly fields slash mud huts. I was the midnight to 4 a.m. post shift. This was always when the weird shit seemed to happen. I was looking out over the fields and a light movement in the sky caught my eye so I looked up. It was actually three separate lights moving in tandem with one another. So at first I figured it was a military aircraft, obviously. After watching it for maybe 30 seconds I realized the speed didn't make any sense and as soon as I had that thought the three lights separated by a great distance instantaneously in opposite directions. They were not connected. They separated by a huge distance in a millisecond. Once they were separated, they started doing their own thing, but each one of them was covering unbelievable distances and making very sharp, immediate direction changes that are simply impossible. This went on for almost 45 minutes. Then all of a sudden, the three separate lights came back together into formation just as instantly as they separated and then just fucking vanished like instantly disappeared I was completely lucid and I'm not delusional I watched this intently the entire time one of the weirdest and most unexplainable experiences of my life to this day Story number seven. Twenty-nine Palms Stories, Part One. I have a few simple stories you might enjoy. I was stationed at Twenty-nine Palms and one of the gyms we had an outside area with turf. I was resting between sets and really enjoyed looking at the mountains as the sun was setting around the time I'd go to the gym. I saw something coming down, like straight down in such a way, and at such a speed, I thought it was a meteorite. But then it stopped. 
It just came to a complete hover without decelerating first. It was several miles away and easily still over 1,000 feet in the air. It then started moving back to up towards the atmosphere and away and was gone so fast I didn't bother to track it. Even at this point, I did believe it was a jet. We do have a small air station on 29. It didn't look like a jet, it just looked like a light. And I'd seen our jets go extremely fast and changed my understanding of how fast they were. This thing wasn't even close, and it accelerated to what had to be supersonic in less than 0.5 seconds. Part 2 29 Palms Part 2 We had a mysterious man in the wrong uniform harass another platoon while at a small mount town. We were really just using the place as bivouac, or bivouac sorry, and utilized it for white space as we were flying to and from Pendleton for trap training missions a platoon at a time. Near the last day, there a sister platoon was drill mount when they observed a guy in an adjacent building watching them. This was from their account, but they said they was wearing woodlands instead of deserts, eight points instead of a boonie, and definitely didn't look like he had been in the field for more than an hour, wearing sunglasses and no kit whatsoever. At that point, we'd been working together for over a year, as workups were extremely long between deployments. Even units that don't go to the field as much know that after a year of training together, you can pick someone out in their pitch dark just by their silhouette or their walk. I was completely light out and they had no clue who the fuck this was. They tried asking him who he was, but he just walked back into the building. They ignored it and assumed maybe it was someone from battalion or regiment coming to watch us train. As they continued doing mount, this guy would continue to pop up in different buildings adjacent to one they were in and would never answer them, so they decided to loose their boots on them. Sorry, loose their boots on them. I was with Suicide Charlie in 1-7. Everyone says they're the best, but at the time, Charlie even put other rifle companies in the regiment to shame. Our seniors were absolute professionals, and by this point, the juniors were extremely proficient as well. They isolated the building to prevent escape, designated the man in Woodlands to be HVI, and cleared the building top to bottom. This guy was gone, and this was not a town that had tunnels running underneath. No one ever saw him leave, and you can't just run away from a platoon without being noticed. Especially wearing dark green camo in the desert. It would be one thing if this just came from boots, but even some of the NCOs were talking about it and seemed confused and annoyed. 29 Palms, Part 3 Same area, same op. Last night we were there, a friend woke me up for fire watch. I asked him for special instructions, etc. He eventually told me he hung out outside the courtyard we were sleeping in, but came back inside. He said he'd seen what he thought was a man wearing white, like the commies role players would wear. He seemed to be talking and shaking his head violently in a way that unsettled him, but that they started walking in his direction, but moving at speed closer to running. He said that's when he came in. 
He didn't seem delirious. I was so surprised I didn't offer an explanation. He just went to sleep. I checked outside the courtyard really quick, then stayed inside the walls for the rest of my watch. That filled up wasn't particularly brutal. We got an average of six hours of sleep over two to three nights, but we have chalked up a few things to sleep deprivation before. Once we were a few days into a defense and averaged about three hours of sleep a night, by that point then the boys were tired. More than once we had to pull people from the sea wire, trying to get over it and yelling at people to get back inside the line. Obviously, there was no one out there, as it was a 100% tactical environment all week. We scanned with nods and scopes to make sure it wasn't scouts. No one there. Nowhere they could possibly hide in the open desert. Some of the guys thought they saw the CO out there. Some thought they saw guys that were in reality sleeping just a fighting hole or two away. It happened a lot on those longer ops, but they seemed so convinced I'd sooner believe something was taking advantage of our fatigue and playing mind games with us. I personally never experienced any of it as I was generally used to little to no sleep before I enlisted, but it's been a constant phenomenon. Even in SOI, I had a friend get pulled away from a ledge during training. He was convinced someone had fallen down the hill and was calling to him for help. In reality, he was sleepwalking, or at the very least was hearing something no one else did. The instructors weren't sure if maybe he was just trying to get injured on purpose, as even in the night he was very obviously walking towards a steep drop-off with no sign of slowing down. I haven't heard a lot of peers talk about UFOs, but seeing things is pretty common. Like small lights under nods or silhouettes, hearing things even that disappear as soon as you think twice or look closer. And again, we train a lot since there was no fire risk in the desert, and these guys were used to patrolling at night and wearing nods. They're really not the type to mistake bush and coyotes for anything more. I do have one more story of my own, just not any specific ones from peers. Actually, this is all part of a bigger story, but I did stop a guy at night from walking across the street. Said He heard his team leader tell him to get the fuck over there. The building was completely locked except for some loose panel on the windows. You couldn't squeeze a dog through the cracks and they locked from the inside, so you can't just get in and close it from behind you. But he swore he saw someone moving inside. They would lock up a lot of the buildings with tunnel access since there were either maintenance issues that made them unsafe or too many marines fucked around and got stuck. There were a few different reasons they would give us for having closed down these tunnels. But there were no tunnel accesses to this mount town. That was story seven. Story eight. Escuela de Aviación. I'm an active duty officer for the Chilean Air Force. Alright, the academy is a bit over 100 years old, so it's home to a lot of weird stuff. In Spanish, it's called Escuela de Aviación, Capitan Manuel Avalos Prado, which translates to Aviation School. In the first year's male dorms is a room we call the chapel. Legend has it that a cadet killed himself there. The cadets sleeping there always tell stories of being woken up at night by something grabbing at their feet or someone coming into the room and standing by the window looking out. 
On the senior dorm wing, some cadets have seen something called the children, small shadows that rush at you from the end of the aisle. Sometimes they fade once they're close enough. Sometimes they'll rush into a room and slam the door shut. Once I was walking to my room at night, right before the lights out, and saw at a distance of about 20 meters a small humanoid shape, not taller than my knee. I remember stopping and stare, starting at a walk towards it, and it turned and walked away from me. It stopped at some point and turned back to see me. I shit you not, it was a tiny human. When I turned to run away, it had turned into a dog. I have seen dogs from every angle and under every lighting condition, and what I saw wasn't a dog before running away until it was a dog. Years later, a buddy of mine and an NCO saw the same thing elsewhere along the base. Story 9 Camp Devil Dog Camp Devil Dog 2017 It's another Lady in White event. It's a two-person account by myself and a buddy who was a week ahead of me. This is a long one. Buddy of mine was almost finished with MCT, where they dig the fighting positions and stay overnight. The platoon was sending out squads to ambush other platoons throughout the night. There's a bridge in the middle of the swamp over there with long reeds covering both sides. As the squad started to cross the bridge, the point man called to the squad to a halt. The combat instructor walked up to the point man and asked him why he stopped the squad, to which the point man said, There's someone standing at the end of the bridge. The CI raised his white rifle and sights at the end of the bridge. He sees a blurry figure that looks obnoxiously white, bright in his PVS-14s and has long black hair. He keeps staring at the figure without moving. The figure walks to the left out of sight because of the reeds and a loud blood-curdling scream is heard. All day, Artie Sim grenades have been used so right after the scream, three platoons worth of marines just start popping off their blanks like they're getting attacked. The combat instructor breaks tact and tells the squad to walk back to their platoon's position. When they get back to Buddy, when they get back by Buddy overhears the, oh, sorry, my Buddy overhears the instructor talking to, see, it's misspelled, so it said, bye Buddy, overhears the instructor talking to the senior instructor saying, nope, not dealing with whatever this shit is tonight, giving me duty tomorrow, I don't give a fuck, I'm going home, and proceeds to leave. As I said, I was a week behind, so while his company was out in the boonies, we were sleeping in the squad base back at Devil Dog. That same night, our gate guard heard that same scream, and it called it into the radio, saying he heard a female voice screaming. That company out in the field were far enough that we didn't hear any artists and grenades that entire day. Our CIs woke the entire company to get accountability of all of our female students, and shortly after the company out in the field did the same.
So a buddy of mine, oh, sorry, story 10, story 10. So a buddy of mine was at Gettysburg this past year reenacting the first Minnesota. They had the exact number of guys that the regiment had on the actual day. I believe it was 262 men. They began the charge on the anniversary down to the minute of the actual charge 160 years before. After the event was through, they were all lounging around with their weapons triangle stacked. A sudden and brief storm blew through with very intense winds, knocking down tons of weapons. After the storm cleared, they accessed the damage. 82% of the weapons had been blown down, leaving 47 standing or so. My numbers may be slightly off. Either way, by the time the storm blew through, the number of weapons standing was the number of men that had survived the battle in the first Minnesota. The regiment had lost 82% of its men in a single charge. This storm had come through and blown down one rifle for every man that had lost his life defending the Union 160 years prior, down to the very minute. Story 11. McConnell AFB Air Force Base. This took place on McConnell Air Force Base. My crew and I had just arrived back at our squadron building after a night flight. It was about 01.30 and we were the only ones in the building. After a quick debrief, we parted ways, my student went home, my pilots continued their debrief, and I went upstairs to work on some paperwork. A few minutes later, I heard my pilots leave the building and I was alone. Approximately 30 minutes later, I heard heavy footsteps coming from the stairs at the far end of the building. My office is in the middle of a long rectangular building. These footsteps were clear as day as if someone were casually making their way up to their office. As I poked my head out to see if it was one of the, my crew members, the footsteps stopped. This happened again five minutes later. This is when I started to feel uncomfortable. I felt like I wasn't alone when I really should have been. After hearing the footsteps a second time, I left my office and checked the whole building to see who was there. No one. Every door was closed, secured, and lights shut off. Satisfied, I returned to my work. Not a minute later, I heard the steps again. This time I stood in the doorway. I watched the well-lit hall directly in front of me as I heard the footsteps walk right past me, but I saw nothing. I stood frozen with every hair on my body standing straight up as the steps proceeded the rest of the way through the building and down the other set of stairs. The moment I heard the footsteps stop, I grabbed my bag and ran out as fast as I could. Story 12 Amboy V-2-7-29 Palms. When we entered the fleet, our seniors immediately told us about satanic rituals held by the locals of Amboy. They were held, or so we speculated, at a large volcano-looking mound. It was very large and pure black. It stuck out like a sore thumb in the desert and went against any baseline in the Mojave Desert. Of course, the curiosity eventually killed us young Lance Corporals. It was said that the Joshua trees are biblical and that they only grow in two areas of the world, Jerusalem and 29 Palms. Jerusalem is the gate of heaven 
29 palms being the gates of hell. So the curiosity of us young Lance Corporals decided we needed to investigate this so-called gate to hell, and we made the trip one night to a large volcano-looking mound. Upon arrival, we discovered numerous satanic items and weird drawings in the black dirt, dust, where whatever material it may have been, I don't know. But people were there. I can't confirm what took place there, but it seemed as if rituals were going on. Another weird occurrence just down the road from the famous Roy's Motel and not even a mic from that volcano thing. These huge satanic lion statues sat in the middle of the desert, facing that volcano. We once tried to pick them up with a hoist, and they were too heavy for any of our equipment to pick up. They were massive. Anyway, we used to have a drive through Amboy every time to get to Vegas on our weekend trips. And every time we would pass those statues, they would very clearly be in different locations. But each time they moved, they remained to look in the same direction of the volcano. I'm not kidding. No human could be capable of moving these statues unless someone took a backhoe out there or something. Each time, I doubt someone would go through that just to move these things. They were very creepy. Amboy is a very odd area. A lot of spooky shit going on over there. Story 13. Contact. In December of 2016, our platoon had been on patrol all day. After a few hours waiting on a wrecker truck waiting to bail out our lead truck with the mine roller, we had finally arrived to O.P. Manos in the Helmand River. This was on the southern border of where American troops could pass. We had already been to O.P. Uh, OP Manos and linked up with the ALP several times already this deployment. After an evening of being in contact with a supposedly red Taliban unit, everything had come to a quiet and it began to get dark. Now obviously as an infantry platoon we had night vision and thermal capabilities. We sat in our security and sat in place waiting on the word to head back to TV Dwyer. I remember laying on my back looking up at the sky when a squad leader had shouted that there was something flying above us and that he could see it. Everyone began to rapidly look into the sky for this object. Seconds after, the same squad leader had noticed it flashing the flying object twice with his IR strobe off his night vision. Immediately after he did, this object began to flash IR beams of light on every soldier on top of that op. As I witnessed all this, I had never in my life before seen a drone moving this fast and I have the IR capabilities to flash a beam from fighting positions to individual soldiers almost as if it was counting everyone up there. When the IR beam flooded me, I do remember screaming what the fuck is going on. That goddamn beam of light that the object would drop was only visible with our night vision on and was so bright it was probably the most terrifying experience I have ever had in my life. We ended up having an Apache helicopter come on station. The pilot saw this object as well and tried to get closer, 
Once the Apache moved near us, this object shut off all its lights and flew and zipped so fast over us directly over the Helmand River over and was gone. I remember going back to TB Dwyer and debriefing our S2, but once this information went all the way up to the chain and back, it was confirmed that no friendly drone was active in that area. Story 14. My dad lived in Dilat, where so many French died there that on certain anniversaries of firefights, what appeared to be fireflies would emerge at night. If a kid grabbed the fireflies, they would feel the fabric of cloth. One of my dad's friend managed to grab one, and in his hand was a tiger-patterned cloth the same one a French soldier would have worn. Story 15 Samable This story was from the only paranormal encounter my dad ever had, and he doesn't tell anyone the story because he doesn't think anyone will believe him, but who knows, maybe someone knows about this. He was stationed in Zamabales province, Philippines. He was tasked out with a local Philippine marine unit out there. Him and his buddy were walking around town at around midnight, flexing to the people out in town as they were newly commissioned lieutenants. Then they saw and heard a crowd, about 20 people gathered around a young girl in her early to mid-twenties, with her hair draped over her face and the rest of it was in an absolute mess as if she just got out of bed. Then he heard a low, deep, raspy voice. It obviously was not her voice, but it wasn't a ladyboy. Her eye was bloodshot, and if she hadn't slept in days, and the blood vessels in her eyes were this dark red as if they were bleeding. She was screaming in that dark voice at a priest who was constantly saying prayers and finally tried to throw holy water onto her, and she wasn't backing down, and he wasn't backing down. Then the wind started to pick up, and she grabbed a wooden table with complete ease and threw it at the priest. By this point, the local police had gotten involved and pointed their weapons at her, telling her to calm down. She started screaming even louder in some sort of language or gibberish and began to levitate. Not high, but maybe two feet high above the ground for about seven to ten seconds, and then she collapsed and crumbled onto the ground. As she crumbled onto the ground, the trees blew so violently, he saw a tree completely bend into a semicircle, before shooting straight back up right before the wind disappeared. I've spent hours trying to look for reports on this incident. He was stationed out in the countryside in the Philippines where electricity is an issue and at this time proper documentation was probably not taken. 
To this day, he refuses to meddle with anything supernatural at all. Story 16. <coughs> Dien Bien Phu. I was deployed to Dien Bien Phu to find the remains of a service member who went missing during the Vietnam War. For those unfamiliar with Dien Bien Phu, it was the location of a fierce, infamous battle between French and Communist forces during the Indochina War. To this day, both sides still have remains of their own left on the battlefield. The problem is that the former battlefield has also transformed into a small, thriving town where it would be extremely difficult to give proper closure to those souls. On night at, or one night at my hotel, which was built on top of what was formerly open areas between old French positions, I was in bed for the evening. North Vietnam around this time has mild temperatures unlike the summer, but this evening suddenly felt extremely cold. I slightly opened my eyes to see a figure standing next to my bed in Viet Minh filled uniform holding what appeared to be a PPSH submachine gun. I thought to myself, who the fuck had the audacity to sneak into my hotel room with a costume? Opening wide my eyes, then jumping towards the figure. Before I could do anything, the figure instantly disappeared. The following evening, I was in a cab chatting with the driver about what occurred. He told me this was normal. All around town, given that there are remains of both French and Vietnamese still buried where they were killed, especially in the open areas between the old French positions. Story 17 Gitmo So I was at a post on the fence line of Gitmo and just a little background on the post. On next hill in front of it was an old graveyard and behind it was remnants of the old field hospital or some sort of building. All that was left was the LZ pad and the foundation of the basement with concrete support pillars. The post was about 20 to 30 feet up in the air. A few years before I showed up, a guard was found dead from suicide there. It had an upside-down cross on the window that as many times as we would clean it away would always reappear. We would also put our flax to hold open the door at night to try and get a breeze to come through the door, but the door would always slam shut when there was no wind at all or any reason for it. So one night... We were standing that post. It was always around, uh, sorry, it was around 0130. I heard a woman let out a blood curdling scream. It came from in front of the post. I called the other guards that were stationed nearby. They didn't hear anything. Checked with my optics. They didn't see anything. A little later in the morning, I heard a weird feeling like I was being watched. So I looked behind me on the pillars of the old building. I saw a woman in an old white hospital gown with black hair pale white skin and she was slightly glowing she walked from one pillar to the next then disappeared 
I yelled my commands to no response. Radio COC to see if they could see anything. They sent out QRF. They did a sweep, found nothing. My SOG talked to me. He believed me since the last time I was stationed here. He saw something similar to the MSR. After that, it just got worse. Some guard got attacked. I saw scratches appearing on the back of one of my guys that drew blood, and no one touched him. Story 18 I'm an ex-British Army. Whilst deployed to Helbin Province in 2012, I was part of a unit on an operation that meant we temporarily moved into a compound for the rest of the night. As it was temporary, we were just sleeping under the stars. Exhausted from the day's patrols, I felt myself just sink into the compound floor and stare at the sky. There wasn't a cloud to be seen and the stars were stunning due to zero ambient light. What caught my eye was something that seemed a million miles away in the sky. As I stared at it, it was as if three amber lights were making a seven in the sky in a constant rotation. A light would start to form the seven, followed in a perfect spacing by one behind it, then another light behind that. When the seven was completed by all three lights, then they disappeared, and another three lights would start the exact same pattern on a constant loop. I know nothing about space, so maybe someone can easily explain this, but I think it was very strange. Story 19 Echoes of War Camp Hansen, Okinawa I was living in the barracks across the street from the chow hall in a room with two other guys. We had one bunk bed and one normal rack. I took the top rack of the bunk and after about three months of sleeping there I had one night where I woke up to cold air on my face. I didn't open my eyes immediately but I knew something was wrong. The outside temperature was high, 80s with 100% humidity. The air had a pattern to it, like breathing, and I finally I worked up the courage to open my eyes. The entire room was packed with dead Marines and Japs staring right at me. I could see their mangled faces and bodies, the dirt and mud shoved in their gaping wounds, and they all just stood there, watching me. I tried not to look any of them in the eyes, and after about ten minutes of being petrified with fear, I closed my eyes again and didn't open them until I heard my alarm go off. Then the room was empty again. I began looking in the history of Camp Hansen, and basically the whole camp had been this brutal, muddy battle where everything was reduced to this thick mud that even the tanks couldn't move through. Just mud and blood and oil and hatred. I still hate that place. I remember we toured the cliffs on this island and you can still see the silhouettes of people from the flamethrower burns on the cliffs and clothes in the trees from the civilians that threw themselves off thinking the Americans would rape and kill them all. I have no desire to return to that island. Story number 20. Harmony Church. 
So I live up in the bricks at Harmony Church on Binning. Not Camp Rogers level isolated, but it's decently remote. One night I decided to go on a little ruck. Nothing too crazy, just get in and get out. At about the two mile mark, I had made my way into a road pretty deep into the woods. No street lights or even the moon. Just my red lens and a backup light. To my left, I heard somewhat distant movement in the wood line. Benning has ample wildlife wandering at night, so I just shrugged it off and kept moving, turning off my music. After moving about 200 meters, I heard a crunching again. I look up at the wood line, and I shit you not, I saw something darting through it. It was hard to see since it was so dark, but I couldn't make out a vaguely humanoid figure, about seven feet tall. It definitely wasn't a person. There are no ranges or common routes where I spotted it. Humanoid, but extremely skinny. It had kind of a shaggy head. Kind of stereotypical, but looked almost like an outline of a Sasquatch. I turned tail and fucking booked it back to the barracks. Whatever it was, I didn't want to figure it out what its intentions were or what it was doing so close. As I was running, I could hear the steps trail behind me. I didn't bother looking back. I just sent it an I just sit it until I made it back to the bricks. Needless to say, I'm going to start doing my rucks earlier in the day. There's something in those woods, and I don't know what it is. That's going to be this episode's worth of paranormal stories submitted by Military Anons. Paranormal stories from Military Anons. Thank you very much. They're all public domain. They're all published online. You can be found. Thank you all very much. Those who have served and those that will serve Thank you very much for those who have submitted their stories so that I could read them by and by. Thank you for being brave enough to give voice to your stories. And thank each and every one of you out there in Dreamland for listening to the Beyond Top Secret Texan. I am the Beyond Top Secret Texan. Broadcasting to you from the third coast to coast with the most, the Gulf Coast of Texas. And it is my pride and privilege to be doing so. So thank you all very much. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. Thank you all very much. Peace out.